All right, welcome in episode two of the 2017 season, the damn podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, back with you with Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com, as always. And uh, things are picking up in camp, in fall camp for Oregon State. And there's a lot going on. We're going to break down a lot today. But, uh, Angie, what is the what's the biggest thing that's popped to you? I know there's been a lot announced in terms of starting at, at certain positions, obviously the big one at quarterback, but, but what's something that's stuck out to you with fall camp. You know, the biggest thing that stuck out is it's just the pace that they're going. There's no real learning curve right now. You know, the defensive coordinator's in his second year, so the defense feels confident. Um, you know, wide receivers have a new coach, but they seem to be kind of business as usual, and uh, it, it's the pace. You know, like even yesterday, it was really hot and bend, but um, they, they were able to stay on task and got done 20 minutes early because they were able to, you know, get through their, their drills. So very crisp practices and very focused group of guys right now. Yeah, I, I, I just want to throw out there i love the ben practices i love that they do that i yeah, i do too hey I, I, I like bend i love bend <laughs> <laughs> you and i were just talking about that off air i i mean i was able to, to run over there for a few days my rider's over there right now for the whole week but what a great place so um you know yeah. get, get some of these kids you know I was, I was talking to some of these guys you know think about you know like a shamar smith from miami I asked him, I said, what's it like to be here? You know, do you like, is it good to get away from Corvallis? And, and they like that portion of it. They like getting away from, you know, breaking up camp and breaking up the monotony. But, you know, for a kid that comes from Miami, for example, yeah. he, he actually thinks it's so beautiful. He goes, I can't even imagine, you know, these mountains and things. They're kind of scary the first time I saw them, how big they are. <laughs> well, I mean, I think any time from our perspective, you're going to a town that is known as the brew capital of the world. I'm always excited. Then you add the fact that you get to watch some college football, major college football practices there. Um, I think it makes it even more kick-ass. Too. Plus, you know, Bend has a really big Beaver contingent because they have that uh, they have the campus over there. So I love that Gary Anderson's able to mix it up. Kyle Whittingham was just quoted the other day of saying five weeks of uh, fall ball is too much. You know, we gotta we gotta try to find ways to keep the kids engaged. And I just think. Gary Anderson figured that out before anybody else had a problem with it by taking everybody to bend. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know the funny the funny part is I did not know. I mean, the Oregon State Cascade campus is beautiful, but I didn't realize that the dorms now are right, right there because I know last year they stayed at Central Oregon Community College. Yeah. So you know, here we are. We stayed at the at this hotel that was right across the street from the dorms. Mm-hmm. And it, comedy, like to watch these guys like taking off at night to go walk down to McDonald's or um, <laughs> riding the little bikes around town. It was, my my kids loved it. They got to go along and they thought it was so cool, you know, to to see the guys walking around and yeah well let's uh let's go to the big story i think it's the biggest there's a lot of concerns and questions i think with oregon state this year like who's gonna do this and how well will they do that i think the biggest thing was addressed and i'm glad that he made the announcement when he did and that was gary anderson saying that uh the starting quarterback for your oregon state beavers is jake luton and the only thing that came to my mind angie was least surprising thing i've heard all year yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, what's interesting there is, you know, and Anderson addressed the media yesterday. We weren't expecting him to come over, but um, you know, he came over and he's kind of given his little. We're midway through Bend, and and then uh, Gina was right next to me, and you know, it was kind of a matter of who was going to ask that question because Kevin McGiven kind of skirted around us all the day before when we were hoping to ask the question. So, um, you know, Coach Anderson said, "Oh yeah, as a matter of fact, we do have a starting starting quarterback." And you know, like, and he, it, I know it's a big deal to you guys. Mm-hmm. I wanted to laugh and say, "Um, yeah, it's kind of a big." Deal to you guys too, but 
<laughs> I'm not bold enough to do that to the to the big guy, but <laughs> not quite yet. Not quite, but um, I, I think when you talk to the players, um, you know, a lot of those guys really love Marcus. They love Daryl. They love Marcus. But you know, there's that closeness, and then you have a new guy coming in. But they've all said that Jake can can sling it down the field, and uh, I think they're just finally happy to begin to build some chemistry with with him. And it's not just a, a wide receiver thing. It's it's the O line. It's the running backs wanting to build the chemistry because they all do things just slightly different. Well, and I tweeted this out, but like it wasn't surprising at all that he is the guy. Like anybody that was surprised by that announcement or the timing of it. I, I just think you're not paying enough attention then. Because like, I believe on the last podcast that we did, we were talking about will they name it right away or will this competition go deep into camp? And you know that's something that I also brought up on my radio show, which coincidentally the day before he announces it, I was just sitting there saying it's a peace of mind and I think it gets the whole team more prepared when you have a quarterback and you get X amount of weeks knowing the starting quarterback for your program versus dragging it out and then a week and a half before you play Colorado State, oh, by the way, we have named a new starting quarterback. Like, I like that they did it and they did it early into camp. They've identified that he was the guy they want leading this new tweaked offense that will be adding air raid elements into it. And the reason it's not surprising is simple. If Gary Anderson trusted the quarterbacks he had, he doesn't bring in a kid from the J.C. transfer ranks at 6'7 with a big arm. I think the teammates can still really like and support Marcus. I think the same thing about Daryl Garrettson. Those guys can still be locker room impact players. But in terms of winning and losing, I fully believe this. If they're going to go to a bowl game this year, you have to have productive a threat at quarterback. And to me, there was only one option right now, and that's Jake Luton. Yeah, oh, completely. And and uh, we've seen it, though, in the past. I mean, they needed three quarterbacks last year. So mm-hmm. it's not, you know, those guys need to still be ready and engaged. But they do. They needed to name it. And, you know, like I said, it just builds that. Uh, you know, Jake told told Amy, our writer today at Beaver Blitz, that, you know, now he can actually work on being a leader. Yeah. He doesn't have to worry about stepping on toes. And he can be the guy that's, you know, leading the huddle and uh, taking those the majority of the first team snaps. Now, you know, the other guys will still get some because they need to be ready. But that they all need to come on the same page now. Where where are you in regards to Luton success and leading the Beavers? Where are you in terms of I don't know, not nervous is not the right word cuz we're media and you know even though we may cheer for Oregon State to have good years, we're not sitting there like they're not make or break in our attitudes. But where are you in in regards to him being successful this year? Cuz it, it's so, it's so tough to gauge without an actual Pac-12 game or even a non-5 uh, Power 5 game. But just how he's grasped the offense, how maybe he's looked in the practices. I've read a couple of the practice reports. The nerves of him leading. I, I'm not as concerned about him leading. And, you know, it's it's really tough because we get such a very limited view of, of what's going on. I mean, we can stand outside the fence and kind of watch, but um, – he definitely throws the best deep ball of anyone there. Now it's just a matter of, you know, is he going to take his lumps? Yes, absolutely. Oregon State needs to work, and the coaches need to make sure that those lumps are fewer and further between as the season goes on, mm-hmm. or, you know, as quickly as possible because, you know, and, and 
looking ahead of the schedule. I mean, Colorado State's going to be a rough one, but, um, you know, you have to be able to rely on that running game some until your passing game gets up to up to snuff. Well, somebody asked an interesting question on social media, and I, I would love to hear if you have an answer, because the one I came up with, it feels like it was too long ago, and, and that was, can you name the last successful J.C. transfer quarterback in the conference? So top of your uh, head, thinking about that. This, there's Goff, or um, not Goff, um, <clears throat> the Cal, the Cal guy. Well, I was just thinking about, was it Longshore? Well, he was JC too, but... Um, well, I know Rogers was. Rogers, yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's who I was thinking of, was Rogers. Yeah. Then you look at, I mean, he was a JC transfer, but I don't believe he played. Matt Moore for Oregon State. Lyle Moivau was a, was a JC kid. Um, okay, but no, no, no that, I'm glad I mean, you it's said a while that. ago. But yeah, yeah, but I'm glad you said those because I, I totally spaced that. Masoli was a JC transfer. Um, yeah. Achilles Smith was a JC transfer. Yeah. No, I, I think Matt Moore and even uh, Lyle, those are good examples there. You know, those are two guys that came in and still had good careers. I mean, they yeah, were productive yeah. for Oregon State, you know? And, and Matt Moore was one of those guys that when you watched him throw in practice, you're just like, dude, that guy's good. Yeah. Yeah, this NFL quarterback right there. He's 6'5". Yeah. Yeah. He's got a good arm. He looks athletic. Yeah, he's built for to be that. So um, Oregon State finally names their quarterback in Jake Luton. It was uh, it was only a matter of time until they finally decided to do that. Uh, when you think about the program with Luton, does it make you think any more – about the air raid part of it. We're supposed to talk, by the way, with Jason Phillips, who is the passing game coordinator, next week on the podcast. Um, it'd be great to pick his brain because he was the guy Gary Anderson had basically mentioned all of last year and then eventually went and got, is an adding an air raid element. doesn't mean they're going to abandon the run game and throw it 58 times a game. But when you have a 6'7 quarterback, now you kind of almost, you just, you're foaming at the mouth of like what the possibilities are of what they can do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, that's, I was watching really closely uh, while I was in Bend this past couple of days at just what Oregon State splits look like uh, with the receivers. And, you know, like a Washington State, when you look at their splits, they are several yards between wide receivers. They have those guys spread sideline to sideline. Oregon State didn't have maybe quite as wide as I would have thought if they were going to go through air raid, but they are going to look to, you know, maybe more of a run and shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like I said, with the stable of running backs they have, I mean, seriously, Ryan Nall, amazing. Thomas Tyner's finally, you know, looking like he's in shape. I, I heard that he busted a 75- or 80-yard run yesterday uh, before the media part. Um, Calvin Tyler, a true freshman. And then don't forget Art Pierce, who, yeah. you know, was a solid runner. So Oregon State will not be abandoning the run. Um, the starting wide receivers were named in Seth Collins, Jordan Villeman, and uh, freshman Isaiah Hodgins. So there's some hype there uh, as well. So Good hype. Um, and, you know, honestly, it's been kind of fun. I mean, watching my, my two, got, two, two days in a row, my standout play was made by Noah Togiai. And I think Beaver fans may have forgotten about him. He was hurt early in the season and missed the year. But um, just that tight end that can, can make the big catch. He had a great uh, catch on a, on a deflection yesterday. Um, 
And Xavier Hawkins, who has never really done a whole lot, had some pretty big catches. You know, one with a crossing route uh, over the middle that he uh, had a huge catch on for a touchdown when Marcus McMarion was leading um, the second team drill. So um, seeing some fun things out of practice and, um, you know, I just think being in the program another year and then Jason Phillips now with his second kind of group of practices um, is going to be big for Oregon State. Didn't Togiai get hurt in the first game of the year against Minnesota? Was that when he got hurt? It was either first or second. He did re- receive the medical hardship waiver, I, okay, so he is so, now a redshirt sophomore. That's right. But, I, I think um, it was the end of the – it was middle to end of that Minnesota game. I actually thought he got hurt like the first opening kickoff of the second game of the year. but Maybe you're right. I, I don't know. I, that Minnesota game, so many guys were getting hurt and yeah. knocked out. And, well, but, um, because I – well, I was Togi, just, I mean, he was out the whole year. You know, I was just gonna say, like, I, I think that's a good point of forgetting. Like, that's an insurance policy right there. That's what Noah Noah Togi is. Is he looked very early? Again, a small sample size, but he was almost like a. He's your drop-down guy. Like, all your, your your first, your second, hell, even maybe your third read is not available. You're about to get sacked. Boom, dump it off to Noah Togiai. I think he's going to have a big season. If he's able to stay on the field and be healthy, he is somebody that could help a guy like Jake Luton out tremendously. Because, again, he's athletic. He's not the fastest quarterback. He can move the pocket but he's not giving you this crazy breakaway speed. So if Villeman struggles, if Hodgins has his freshman woes, if Seth Collins is not able to get open as much, having a weapon like Noah Togiai staying out there, um, to me, that that's going to open things up for them even more because now you're having the defense not only worry about those three guys and their size and some of their speed, but now you have that drop-down option of Togiai just kind of standing and parking himself somewhere in like around the five-yard mark. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, and we all know that Colorado State is going to want to bring the house. I mean, they are going to start that game, you know, loading eight, nine in the box and, and making Oregon State throw the ball. So mm-hmm. um, to have that, especially, like you said, for a new quarterback, new league, and that's, I think that's the big thing that people forget. They always expect JC players to come in and be ready to go, but it is still a huge, especially speed adjustment for them yeah. to, you know, to adjust to. So, um, you know, give him a little time and, and check down to a togi or, or let, uh, you know, and I'll run if he has to. So um, it's going to be really hugely important. Yeah, completely agree. And, you know, I think the important factor, too, is something that's com- it's out of his control. And what I mean by that is the offensive line, like the guys mm-hmm. up front and who's going to be blocking for him. Uh, I think a lot of fans kind of had an idea of who maybe the projected starters are. You know, you go Houston at center. You would go uh, Trenton Moore. You would go Blake Brandell. Lavaca and Luana, but maybe that's not so much the group that you do have. Maybe there's still position battles going on with the offensive line. What have you heard? That you know, that's the biggest thing today. I, I just put up our practice report on Beaver Blitz, and uh, that it was actually kind of comical because we've been watching this, you know, to kind of, and we get you know like the last twenty or thirty minutes, and we try to take as many pictures and see who's running with the the first team, second team, and. Um, I'm, it's really fun to see someone like Cammy Delp, who is stepping up. And I know Beaver fans have been kind of waiting for him to, to do something. And, and here he is. We're, we're watching um, practice. And so right now it looks like Brandell at left tackle, Fred Lewina at uh, left guard, Sumner Houston center, 
we've had Cami Delp running at right guard, and then Kali'i Montabon, a new uh, transfer. Yeah, the JC kid. The JC kid in Trent Moore battling for the right tackle spot. So, you know, you're watching this, and people are like, oh, no, Coach Anderson said that that Cammie's battling Luina, not Lavaca. Well, that's not entirely the case. We double-checked with uh, TJ Woods today, and, and he actually said the three of them, Luina, Lavaca, and Cammie Delp, are battling for those two tackle spots. So Lavaca has not been participating. Um, Do we he, know the reason for that? Uh, Coach Woods said he is not injured, but he's just a little dinged up. He was running today, but he was huh. not participating. So um, that's where Cammie has been been playing. Okay, so okay, well that I but think that, that's but there's kind of there's a, a good preview of of what the line could look like. I mean, you're going to have Brandell, and then you're going to have uh, you know Luina, Lavaca, yeah, uh, Delp. And then uh, Sumner and Yanni are still battling some at the center. I still think it's going to be Sumner at the end of the day, but yeah. um, Yanni, the is, mm-hmm. is in there as well. Can I? Uh, I'm going to ask you kind of like a a very outsider question. As somebody almost sounds like they probably don't follow it, but I'm just curious. Do we know what happened with Saddlemeyer? I remember when they got that pickup, and you saw his size, JC kid. You thought, oh, holy moly, you could bring him in next year to replace three of their five guys. What happened with him? Saddlemeyer and Cordasco are both there. They're both the J- they're both JC kids. Um, I think the big like, again it goes right back to being a JC kid. Um, the speed of the game is something they need to adjust to. Mm-hmm. So um, you know it might take a year to uh, you know make sure you have the best weight and you know have the the speed of the game. Um, I, I'm really curious to get your thoughts on this because it this this seems like a rarity, but. I like to read the Phil Steele magazine, too, before the college football season just because it's so in-depth. Yeah. I thought an interesting nugget that stuck out to me when I'm reading about Oregon State and his thoughts on it, he really likes the offensive line. And I was wondering if he had gotten told something else by Gary Anderson or Woods or somebody because I think on paper you see it and you go, they're losing three guys. And at the end of the year, when they plugged everybody in, they got it rolling, and three those three guys that you're losing are pretty substantial losses. But like somebody like Phil still really likes it, whereas it feels like maybe the rest of Beaver Nation is a little more apprehensive to be all in. Like it's a more, it's it's a very wait and see situation. I, I you know I don't read that. I don't read Phil Steele, honestly. And I, I don't want to sound awful, but no, no, it's okay. I, I honestly That's don't what the think he for. probably did his homework as well as he should have with Oregon State because I would definitely not put the O line as as a strength. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, that was the one that I think that was lost a, me. Oh, it's Oregon State. Maybe not many people are reading it. I'll just put O line down because yeah, because I don't know. They I have mean, a freshman All-American coming back in Lavaca. Well, and I don't, I don't know about you. Well, and that doesn't even sound that promising right now because, like you mentioned, you got maybe Cami Delp is jumping in, but. I don't know. The offensive line, as much as we talked about quarterback and and any other position group, the offensive line's got to be the biggest one. Like, it's not going to matter if your quarterback is, you know, capable of throwing if he can't, you know, get a second to throw the ball. It's not going to matter that you have Thomas Tyner mixed with Ryan Nall. We'll get to Tyner, but that's not, none of that's going to matter if your offensive line is inconsistent and not playing up to par. No, and and you know, like in Beaver Blitz, one of one of our staffers is is a former offensive lineman himself, and you know that's his biggest concern going into this season is Oregon State's offensive line. Too many question marks, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, recruiting has been pretty spotty. You know, when you're relying on JCs to come in and fill holes, 
it can be really good, but it can be a little bit of a wing and a prayer too. Well, why is that though? I mean, you're I mean you're the recruiting person, right? You're following this stuff. Why has that been spotty? That seems like a point of emphasis for somebody like Gary Anderson that loves to run the ball and you know th- run it right down your throat. That seems like an easy go-to or an easy area where you'd circle and go, all right, should be okay in this regard. Why has that been so troubling or difficult for them? You know, I think offensive line recruiting is probably the toughest position to recruit, bar none, period. You know, it's finding a guy that is smart, is big, or has the body to be big, has the um, athleticism, because they still have to be athletic just because they're big. Um, and then, you know, with the competition you're going against, especially in the Pac- Pac-12, I mean, the the, t- the cream of the crop all go to Stanford. But now you have Washington that are, are you know, picking up. You have USC, who always gets kind of their choice. Um, it's... It's a tough, tough thing to do. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's also a kind of a frustrating thing, you know. Right it is, now, it, it is. I mean, especially when your offense, you you need a strong offensive line to be good. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> I, I I won't I won't get into this, but I think it's just fairly obvious to most people at this point, especially people that are on Beaver Blitz and follow a lot of the recruiting is. When the team you don't like down south is bringing in all these monster offensive line commits, it's it's just another frustration factor, you know. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, it's it it just is. So if you had to make a prediction, you would go Brandell, Luina, left Houston center. Would you go Delp right with uh, Moore, or would you change out Delp with uh, Lavaca and maybe put uh, the other JC kid there? Right now, I think Cami has looked really well, really good, but we haven't seen much of Lavaca. So, um, you know, I, not knowing what, quote, dinged up means, um, is it, you know, just a tweaked hammy or is it something more or is he just out of shape? You know, those are the things you don't necessarily know. So, um, you know, at this point, I would go there and I would probably go Delp. I, I know Coach Anderson has talked a lot about Montabon, um, but he's still listed at 284 and I just – I think that still might be a little light to be a, a tackle in in the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah. So uh, offensive line still going to be a concern. Where I, I want to continue monitoring that. You know, that's something that I always look for if I if I visit your side or I'm on Twitter is just kind of seeing an update with that because I'm in a complete agreement with uh, the former player that writes for your website. That's that's probably my biggest concern. I mean, I oh completely. I can't think of anything that's honestly. I can't think of anything that's close to it. And in and, and my opinion, when you look at Oregon State's recruiting, top to bottom, offensive line recruiting, maybe in quarterback recruiting are, are your two, but I would say offensive line weaknesses? Is, is probably you know the biggest weakness. Yeah. I want to get into recruiting, too, on the podcast. But um, one more thing that I wanted to touch on from camp, um, because, again, we'll have Jason Phillips next week, who is the guy brought in for Gary Anderson to implement elements of the air raid type offense because he wants to throw it more. And I can't really blame him. They've been dead last in 11th the two previous years for Gary Anderson. So clearly, you want to win in this conference, you got to be able to sling the ball around. They haven't been good at that. Um, but they also haven't found a quarterback quite yet. Um, so we'll we'll have Jason Phillips on on the next pod, but you know one uh, one other factor behind that offensive line is we know how good Ryan Nall can be when he's healthy and he's on the field. We saw glimpses of what Art Pierce might mean to this program, but a wild card and one a lot of people are wondering about because of where he was ranked in recruiting and you know the impact he had right away at uh, his former school is Thomas Tyner. And when I saw the wait listing for Thomas Tyner. 
I thought, man, that kid is eating a lot of pizza and donuts, and he needs to get in shape. But the more I read about, the more I I see on social media, it sounds like he's not only dropped weight and gotten in better shape pretty quickly, it sounds like he is tearing it up. Oh, he's tearing it up, and... Um he seems to be having so much fun, and that's, I think, you know, as, as an outsider looking, it, it's fun to see him. I mean, he's smiling, he's joking around with the guys, he's having a good time playing football, and I think that's a huge important factor of it. He laughs about that, you know, he, he's trying to break some bad habits that he learned at Oregon as far as, like, his first step, and Ryan Nall's helping him with that. Um, you know, Ryan Nall even invited him to come sleep on his couch when he first came down there to, to – uh, to Oregon State. So um, they've already built a bond. I mean, uh, you know, I don't see anyone unseating Ryan Nall, but, um, you know, the two of them together, Art Pierce, and then the true freshman, Calvin Tyler, has really opened some eyes as well. You, I mean, you have four legit running backs. Mm-hmm. And, and then throw in, you know, Trey Johnson, who is now qualified and is participating again, who's another, he's the transfer from TCU. He's a big guy. I mean, there's, there's a stable there of running backs that um, won't be able to be ignored. Yeah, that's that's something that I can't wait to see is the element of implementing how many of those guys. You know, Art Pierce to me shouldn't lose playing time by much. If Tyner is going to continue to dominate, well, clearly because of the athlete and what he's capable of, I want to see him on the field. And we know Ryan Nall when he's healthy. Yeah, I want to see him make people miss, break away, and run people over. I think some programs that are stacked at that position, Angie, find ways to make it work with all of them at the same time. I really want to know if Oregon State's going to do that. I, I agree. And, and, you know, you talk to these guys, and they, they're all talking about how great of a coach Coach Lockett is. And so to have that, I mean, you know he is just ready to help game plan to get those guys the ball. Because well, it's it's going to be a potent, potent thing. Yeah, and, and I wonder, too, pass-catching-wise, out of the backfield or – you know, maybe you have sets where you put one of them in a slot. Tyner only had 200 receiving yards at Oregon. And again, I know his career was cut short, but he wasn't out there dominating on the out of the backfield in the in the in the flats. He was he had his fair touches, but he still didn't do it to the level that I think would make you a little more comfortable that maybe he could at Oregon State. But again, I think that's part of the wait and see approach of what their offense will be and how you incorporate all of these weapons uh, in at one one time. Yeah, and, and then the intangible part that that Thomas brings is is just that experience of playing on a, a national championship team and um, you know that played in the national championship game and um, you know what that takes and what he brings in as far as leadership to the Beavers and wanting to help them you know we asked him we said you know what is your goal and you know one of your goals and he said well I don't when I came here they're not personal goals for me this is team goal and I'm going to help these guys get back to a bowl game well he wants to try, he's the NFL is still a thing for him right didn't he mention oh, it is. that it is it is yeah. um but you know that's his his you know Media, media answer right now is helping this team get back to a bowl game. Well, and he may have a pretty good chance, too, even when the season wraps up. He may have a legit shot because of the athlete he is that if he hits a certain weight and, you know, he works on it, I mean, that kid has the ability to wow you in a workout. So, you know, I still think that's an option, even if he doesn't necessarily get the stats that maybe personally inside he's looking to get um, for himself. Do you think he would, if you were to rank it right now behind Nall, would you say he's ahead of Pierce, or do you think Anderson McGiven would still give Pierce the nod ahead of him? 
You know, I think Pierce just is probably, and we've seen more of Thomas just because they're giving him kind of a shot right now um, in the early camp. But, um, you know, Art still has some more experience. But I would put them kind of right there at 2A, 2B. Gotcha. Neck and neck. It's it's pretty close. So, um, yeah, he's he's looked better and better as the days have gone on. I would have, I said Monday, Sunday I, I saw him and I said, okay, he's looking a little more, I mean, better shape. And by Monday I said, okay, he's looking to be more Thomas of old. Yeah. Uh, all right. I want to get to the recruiting part because we text and we emailed about this. Um, and uh, there's an interesting angle here because when I'm hosting a radio show in Portland, for those that are just tuning in for the first time maybe to the damn podcast, the reality is I have to talk the other program more on my show um, because of the, the listener base, right? But I think there's an element here that you could help a lot of people with, Angie, and that where is Oregon State on recruiting? Because the rival school they beat in their last game of the year right now is in the top five nationally, and... You know, I had a lot of Beaver fans texting today on the radio program because we're recording this on a Wednesday. I had a lot of people texting in today that were Beaver fans saying basically they don't, it feels almost hopeless because of the way that they're dominating recruiting versus maybe where Oregon State is. It's interesting. They are. They are killing it right now, and I I won't try to sugarcoat that. But what's going to be interesting to see is I, I liken this a little bit. I mean, they're putting some major pressure on recruits. It's, it's like commit to us now, mm-hmm. or we're we're moving on. So of course the guy's gonna like tie up the eggs in that basket. But so it'll be interesting to see if they continue to look one. But you know the Ducks are gonna continue to look. Yeah. So um, I, I liken it to the to Jim Mora and UCLA's recruitment. I mean, you look at UCLA and they have you know eighteen or, or eighteen commits, and then they just start cutting guys loose because they get somebody better. Yeah. It could happen with Oregon. With Oregon State, I, you know, it's interesting because I know Beaver fans are freaking out. They're freaking out on Beaver Blitz. They're, they're you know, anyone I talk to is 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 wringing their hands over Oregon State's recruiting. Well, Beaver fan remember where are they ranked right now? Oh, I haven't even looked. Probably in the like 60s, 70s. Okay, okay, sorry. Go ahead. Not good. Not. I mean, not not where they want to be. Yeah. They have five commits. Um, you know, they have a D tackle. Um, it's Isaiah Hodgins' brother Isaac. Um, I really like. Um, a DN they got, this uh, Cook. He, he looks like a player. Um, they have their quarterback, which is huge, and Spencer Petrus. So, um, you know, they have these pieces. But Oregon State, this is going to be a small class for the Beavers. So you, you first you factor in that. So if you're looking at signing 15 to 18 players and they're a third of the way done, yeah. You know, you, you got to kind of factor that in. And the second thing, since I've been doing this now for 11 years, um, you know, the last staff we would see similar, and by this time of the year they'd be sitting at four or five commits, and they'd go into panic mode, right? It felt like, okay, we're not getting any of the guys we are first, our A-list guys, so we have to start madly putting out new offers to, to B-list guys, C-list guys, um, that maybe weren't Pac-12 players um, or more um, more of a project. So, um and they would do that way early. Then they'd start winning some games, and then they have a class filled with two-star prospects. So um, what, what you're seeing, I, I, think, I think Anderson's being smart about this because if Oregon State can come out and win, you know, four out of the first five, yeah. they have momentum going, mm-hmm. and that makes them way more attractive in a recruit's living room. And, and you look at who they're still in the running with. I mean, Isa, Isa Crocker, um, the big four-star wide receiver, five-star um, 
Palanoa Hufanga, right out of Crescent Valley, they're still very much in the running for him. Um, so I think some of these high-rated prospects are waiting to wait, kind of a wait and see. Let's let's just see. Gary Anderson's been at this. He's been telling us this is what's going to happen. Let's see if they're on that right trajectory. Would you power rank? Would you power rank Oregon State as a front runner, second, third in the running for that Crescent Valley kid? Because that kid is more and more. I, I see his name pop up as I think he just got moved so up good. to a five star. Yeah, he's supposed to be a stud. Where where does Oregon State stack? Just in your opinion, based on maybe a conversation with him or maybe talking to people in the program. In my opinion, I and from what I've been hearing, I would say Oregon State, USC, and Nebraska are kind of the top three schools for him right now. Oh, get out of here, Mike Riley. Nobody wants to see that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> You're still you recruiting know, over here? Come on. They they do have a relationship with that family. Yeah. Um, you know, Talanoa's brother, TJ, played at Oregon State mm-hmm. under Riley. So there's a relationship there. It'll Now, that is another one. That's going to be an interesting thing to see what happens in Lincoln because, what do you, you mean? know, to see – if Riley has another losing season, how much more patience they have because they don't have a lot of patience in Lincoln. Well, you for, mean uh, not losing season, but you mean like season of not hitting maybe 10 wins or something. It could be. Yeah. I mean, very well could be that, you know, I, I I read something, you know, the other day about the hot seat and, you know, not that they would put Mike Riley's name on there, but stranger things have happened. And Lincoln is a little bit of a pressure cooker there. Oh, I'll tell you, I went to, I went last you year. You went there last yeah, year. Yeah, I was there and I... I I mean, I got hammered drunk, by the way, but I, I asked a ton of people in the pregame tailgate, like a ton of Nebraska fans, they just how you feel about Riley. Because I was just curious, you know, what the, first of all, the perception of Riley and his staff in Nebraska versus what we experienced for so long, it was just, it was very interesting to me to see what that was like. Yeah. And like when I went, I went on, did the sports radio show down there because we did a show at one of their stations in Omaha. Like we came on and they instantly were like, well, what's, what's holding him back? And I said straight up, I was like, Mark Banker is holding him back. Like, unless he cuts the loyalty act, you're probably never going to get past X point and that's going to stop you. And they're all, well, we kind of noticed this, you know, they picking up like Bruce, <laughs> I said Bruce Reed in the special teams. That's a big concern. Well, look what happened there. Yeah, yeah. And it was it's just funny to see them start to pick up on I hate to say the word weaknesses because because I can't think of anything else but we of a weakness of Riley. You know, I think he's a damn good coach, but they started yeah. to pick up on some things that they noticed. And, and it was the stuff that were you know Beaver fans were banging their heads in the wall. Yes, yeah, yeah. There were a lot. Yeah, there were some people that no doubt that's how you're reacting. And I, I said straight up, I said, well, if he doesn't win ten games this year, is next year his big year? And they said they were actually pretty nice about it. Most of them, they were like, well, you know, it'd be very frustrating, but he's such a nice guy, and he's just getting his quarterback at that point. So I don't know. Maybe the pressure is on him from the boosters that actually donate versus the people on the tailgate getting drunk on Coors Light. <laughs> but the feeling that I got was they're willing to give him two more years this year and next year as long as the quarterback he recruits or plays is going to be the real thing. Gotcha. Because gotcha. they, so, they know he's a quarterback guy. So, you know, I mean, that's I mean that's kind of my gut right now. And, you know, these recruits, they change every day of the week basically but Talanoa is pretty quiet you know he's keeping everything pretty pretty close to the coast to the vest and he's um but I would say just kind of going on what I'm hearing I think Oregon State has a very good shot with him um and like I said I think I can see USC being in the mix in, in Nebraska with Isa Crocker um right now I think he's Oregon State's to lose really I do okay all right too many you know of his teammates at Oregon State yeah um you know 
I, I, I just see that. You know, he was up at Oregon this past weekend for their Saturday Night Lights, but did not commit there. And uh, I, I think he he still ends up a beef. You know, forgive me for the ignorance. How many do we have? Any of the uh, the five commits they have? Do they have early signee ones? Yeah, actually, um, they're all talking about signing early. So oh, I mean, that's none good, of them then. are looking at looking around. Awesome. Um, yeah, they are solid as they can be. So, okay. And the, yeah. the quarterback that they have that potentially could sign in December, I, are we finally maybe looking at the program quarterback? Maybe Aiden Willard is that guy? Like, Is there some hope there that maybe he's finally hit on that? Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see with Aiden, um, you know, just because he was, um, you know, played for a pretty small school, was injured part of his senior year, but just a great story, great kid. His family are, are Beaver alumni, and he loves, he's grown up with the program and has grown up as a Beaver. So, great story there. Spencer Petrus is the 2018 quarterback mm-hmm. and uh, plays a, a bigger, um, kind of a more powerhouse, same league as where Aiden Willard came from, but it's Marin Catholic. So, um where Jared Goff came from. So Cal was really kind of all over him trying to get him, but he in the end likes Oregon State. So, um, you know, it'll be fun to see his film. He's a little, he's mobile, but he can throw, throw pretty well on the run um, and uh, has some impressive film. Okay. Uh, my last recruiting question for you is what is the ranking? And I know right now they're like the 60, maybe even 70. They're, they're, they're not good, right? But the closer we, we get to this, because we just like more and more programs are, oh, this commit and that commit, the closer we get to it, is there a certain ranking that if they're not below blank number, you look at it as a real disappointment, even coming off of a, a two-win season and a four-win season? You know, I really think um, the Beavers should be at, they need to be in the 30s this year like if they're 39 that's good but but you know where they're going to get hurt is if it's a small class so you know they usually well, yeah. take the top 20 yeah, yeah. is what they you know they take the top 20 so you know they, this class may actually rank out into the 40s but realistically if you uh, yeah okay because of the the class ranking or a class yeah. Uh, size yeah okay that makes so sense i'm looking right now in the pack 12 um scout 24 7 has them ranked 12th in the pack 10 behind utah and they are ranked Hang with me here, yeah, because yeah, yeah. we are going to find them. No, we need like the Jeopardy music or something here. Well, I don't know how this is even right because Stanford's ranked ninety-five. So, oh. Stanford's yeah, always mind. one of those programs that you don't think about, and then you, they come in on signing day, and you're like, oh, Stanford had a good class yeah, again. Yeah, huh? it's just it's just so it's it's pretty all over the board right now, just because a lot of classes have you know fourteen. 14 uh, commits. So, yeah. All right. Well, um, uh, it's good to at least talk it out. I think a lot of people really are just. Oh, it is. And, I, you know, there's so many just, people that, like I said, we, we talk about it daily on Beaver Blitz, and that's yeah. what we do. And But, I, like I said, I think, okay, Beavers are checking in at um, 104. Yeesh. 90. What is? What are the differences here, though? I don't even. It's, it's all. It's a new platform for us, so gotcha. I'm kind of. That's fine. Um, but, you know, Beaver fans are, you know, like I said, it's a daily conversation. And should we be worried? And, and you know, and then especially when they see what the school down south is doing. Yeah. Like I said, but just watch that. When, you, when you're high-pressure sales techniques on these kids, things can change well, quickly. I, I had a Duck fan actually make a really good point. He was like, you know, this is great. I'm ecstatic. This is putting a lot of pressure, whereas if they have a crappy season, what's that going to mean for a lot of these commits? Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. You and, know? And, and I, 
it, it feels a lot, um, you know, you talk to these kids and it's like, oh, yeah, it was coach, you know, pulls me aside at camp or at their camp and is like, you know, if you don't commit, we're moving on. So they feel like they have to, but are they going to keep looking? I mean, are they, and these aren't the kids that are looking, you know, between Oregon and Ball State. They're, you know, deciding between Oregon, USC, Alabama. So I expect those kids to keep looking around. Yeah. Yeah. It's never ending in recruiting. That's for sure. Well, um, anything else you want to get to? I think we touched on everything. No, I mean, it's just, Oh, well, I know something that has been big on Beaver Blitz, and we discussed it um, last night on okay. Beaver Blitz, was defensive line. I know that's been a big big topic. Um, Elu Iden is back. Um, they just wanted to work on him and get him in some better condition before uh, hitting the field. But. Yeah, I saw Gary Anderson uh, was basically like, uh, he's running right now. He's got, yeah, he's uh, running. He's got weight to drop. I mean, he came in at 348, and when Yeesh. I saw that, I was like, eek. I mean, you want him in the, like, 320 range. Yes. So I, I spoke with Elu yesterday, and such a great guy, and he's so excited to be back. And, um, you know, the interesting thing, the starting D-line yesterday, it was – in certain – I mean, they move so much and they change things up, but it intrigued me a little bit. So you had Elu as nose tackle, mm-hmm. Kehlani Vakamelalo, and Hamilcar Rashid as your two ends. Really? Yeah. It was an interesting Those little, are your ones, huh? Yeah. Well, whenever the whenever Craig Evans gets in, I, I just I I am going to be curious to see how that shakes it up. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, he has a class he is taking right now. I don't know when he will be done with that. It's an online class, so don't know exactly when that finishes up. But um, I know it's not to the level of offensive line, but I, I, Gary Anderson was trotting out at uh, Pac-12 Media Day, thirty sacks, thirty picks. Like that's that's what he's telling his guys. Yeah. Man, they they have just they've got to bring him down. I, talking to Kevin Clune, who by the way I love talking with, and I know that you got the video uh, on the website. But I, I I brought it up. I said, you know, what can you do to get more sacks? And he's like, well, you know, sacks are obviously a big deal, but we got X amount of pressures last year, so that's not a stat that everybody cares about. And I'm like, I get that. That's good logic, but we still need to get getting the quarterback down. That's yeah, that's a big yeah. problem. Well, and that's, you know, when talking with Elu and then talking with Kevin yesterday as well, he actually said, he's, you know, he said we need to, you know, get after it, but he likes where they're at right now as far as their get off and, um, you know, where the linebackers are and their, the athleticism there. So, um, no, that's, he really talked about that. And then, you know, since we are local here, it was, it's fun to watch, um, you know, local Sherwood, um, four star David uh, Morris. David Morris, yeah. Is right there in the mix playing safety. Really? So, uh, Brandon Arnold has one side pretty much sewed up but yeah. Jalen Jalen Moore and uh, David Morris have been trading reps there so um, is that close or do you think it is close it's, I mean I, I you know David's going to be I, I I feel pretty confident saying he'd be on the travel squad and uh, I, I definitely think we we see him play and I, I live in Sherwood so you know a lot of people have been texting me asking me what's going on with David and when I say yeah I expect to see him play they they write back or text me back Special teams? I'm like, mm, I actually think we actually see him play some defense, too. So um, Anderson has raved about him. You know, he, Anderson raves about Champ Flemings, too. And, you know, he made an amazing tightrope catch Great yesterday. Name. That's all Champ, yeah, name. Champ yeah. Flemings. But now talk about that kid comes in weighing 130. Yeah, he's got to put on, like, what, 80 pounds? So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, if he can get up, you know, 20. Yeah. But, he, I don't, I don't know. He's fast though, and they need that fast, um, you know, a fast guy. So he's one. Of, and, and Coach Anderson pointed him out yesterday as well. So 
Well, that's um, that's the beauty of camp is it feels like day in and day out. You know, sometimes you walk away and you go, ah, nothing happened today. Other days you talk to the coach and the coach is like, actually, a lot went down. We uh, we switched this guy to that position and this guy's starting now. You just don't know. And that's the beauty of, uh, of fall camp. It's still early. But remember, the Beavers are playing in T-minus 24 days until they no, play Colorado awesome. State. Yeah, it's it's going to be badass. I'm actually running Hood to Coast again this year. You're crazy. And we get to Seaside. I may miss it live. I might have to DVR it since it's 11 a.m. kick. I think last year we got to Seaside at almost noon. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so what I... What van are you in? Uh, Like the team or... I'm in van... Well, I'm in van uh, one. Okay, well then you finish and then maybe you can be hanging out at the beach watching it. Yeah, we get yeah we get done early and then we get to Seaside first, but then you know you get the shower, you got to eat, and I don't know. I might. I don't, I don't do Hood to Coast. That's not my gig. Oh, I did it last year for the first time. It was it was actually a lot of fun, but this year it's different because now I got an Oregon State game day of. You got the McGregor Mayweather fight the same day. It's gonna it's gonna be a busy day for sports fans. That's for sure. It'll be fun. Yeah, it will. Uh, all right, next week, Jason Phillips. Passing game coordinator, also the wide receivers coach. And, and what do you say, Brandon? We bring back the damn questions next week. That's right. We didn't do damn questions for week two. I apologize for that. Uh, we apologize for that. We just didn't do it. So we all we do want questions. So we'll tweet them out at Brandon Sprague and at Angie Machado one. So give us a follow on Twitter. We'll uh, we'll bring some damn questions. I'm sure you have them from BeaverBlitz.com that you can bring as well. And uh, thank you, by the way, to everybody that reached out on not only SoundCloud, but social media. I got an email from my work email, even though I've never given it out, on people that just said, hey, thanks for doing the podcast again. I really enjoy it. And just words of encouragement. That was uh, that was great. We got some suggestions on how to maybe make some money. We're still trying to fight for some sponsors. Um, so we're not going to stop doing that. Again, it's great having you guys as an audience. Really liked uh, Week 1 Plays. We got a good amount this, week, uh, this year. Um, and so we're just we're looking to make the podcast even better in year three. Is this year three? three. Yeah, we're oh, in year three. Crap. Year three for us of doing the podcast. So we'll start next week by having Jason Phillips on, uh, ask him what he thinks of Oregon State status and the air raid elements coming over to Oregon State and, play, and working under Gary Anderson and Jake Luton himself. So uh, that'll be fun. Um, so make sure you catch that conversation. Again, thank you to everybody for reaching out after last week um, with words of encouragement for Angie and myself. Is there anything else you want to plug? No. Come to Beaver Blitz. We have so much fun stuff right now, fall camp. Some of it is for our subscribers, and the message board is for our subscribers. But um, a lot of the stuff we're doing, some of the videos we're putting out, we just have so much um, that we're making it free to Beaver fans. So check it out. Um, There's five to eight pieces of content every day that we are putting out right now. There you go, beaverblitz.com. You can catch me on the radio Monday through Friday on 1080 The Fan AM. You can also download the 1080 The Fan app. My radio show is 12 to 3. Dirt and Sprague is where you can catch me Monday through Friday. And, of course, like I mentioned, we're on Twitter. All right, we'll be back next week with another edition of the damn podcast. Jason Phillips and talk more Oregon State football. We'll talk to you guys next week.